Hello and welcome to the Three Things Podcast. I'm John Mitchell and I am back. Thank you for your patience with me as I'm trying to figure out life and pace and energy and all of the things that I need to to pull off a podcast in the midst of all the other things I have going on. So appreciate your patience and I'm excited today to be back and to be talking about um, things that are bigger than the bills and things that are more important than the lawn and the daily things that seem to consume us and just keep us from being mindful of the bigger things. Um, just spending time with my family recently um, has given me some more energy. And so I've been able to uh, kind of find a space in my life to uh, to kind of recreate um, some of the thoughts that I've been having on a regular basis about God, about um, life in general, about energy, all of those things um, in this podcast. And so um, in a way, it's it's been a while since I've, I've done a podcast. It's been a couple weeks, um, which is, I know, not... Not the way that you want to record a podcast if you're trying to get listenership and gain sponsors and all of that. Um, and if you've been listening to this very long, you know that my objective in this is more cathartic and also just more organic than that. So um, if I don't have something to say, I don't say anything. Um, and uh, in a way, it's been good to kind of stop and and get refreshed. In another way, it has built up some things in me. I don't know how long this thing's going to be because I do have... Um, some exciting thoughts, I think, at least from my perspective. Um, one of the things the podcast has done is it's opened up a dialogue between myself and people that I've never met, uh, lifestyles, um, places that I've never um, been, where I've been able to talk with people and get perspective and maybe take a step back with some of the things I think and feel. And what it's done to me has allowed me to be um, a lot more introspective and a lot more, um, a lot deeper in examining some of the things that I'm saying and some of the beliefs that I'm just kind of, you know, throwing out there like we do. So um, I hope you hear today in my voice a renewed sense of curiosity. Um, that's what's driving all of this for me. Um, but also a renewed vigor for the conversation about what's bigger than us. Um, as you know, these three things. Um, have been my format for just sort of beginning a conversation about some really big topics, um, things that you can't cover in, in just three major headings. Um, but it, what it's allowed me to do is start to break down what I believe are, are sort of the, um, the cornerstones, or at least from my perspective and in the way I sit with these things in my life. And so today I'm going to talk about something that, um, if you are, uh, in the stage of life where I am right now, you are trying to figure out still on a regular basis. Um, I haven't met very many people um, who are in the middle of raising kids um, who are trying to pay the bills, keep all the plates spinning um, at work, at home, um, in any church situation, any anything you're involved with with the community, um, all of these plates get spinning, and it it takes this this um, sort of unwavering, undying sense of energy that I'm still struggling with, to be honest. And over the last few weeks, um, especially over the last month, I guess I've really dug into what it what does it mean for me to be at my best? Um, what does it mean for me to, you know, to live life the way I want to live life? Um, I spend a lot of my time with my parents because we live out, um, on the same property in, on the West side of Bloomington on about 40 acres. Um, my parents and my brother and my grandmother and my aunt and uncles, and uh, we kind of Walton mountain, the whole thing over here. And it's, it's fun. Um, it has its own challenges. It's the way we choose to live and I wouldn't choose anything else. Um, and part of it is because of family and because of what we get, um, when we do life together and not just Christmas and Thanksgiving and holidays, but every day in and out. Um, it obviously comes with its own challenges, but it, it also comes with this rich sense of heritage, um, and a deep investment in the next generation of Mitchells. 
Um, and so my kids get to hear stories. They get to glean from um, the experiences of of not only their parents, but their grandparents and their great-grandmother in this case, um, get to tell them stories and lead them down paths um, that uh, make sense. And so as they get those conversations, one of the things that we're learning as a compound out here, um, sort of as a group, is that there are ways, choices that we make in life that can either take our energy from us or can give us energy. Um, and we're all learning about what those things are. And we're all at different stages of that. Um, everything from my parents who are at the retirement age and are trying to figure out what gives them energy and, and, and how they can give back um, to my great grandmother who is entering a phase of life. She's been the most high energy physically person that I've ever known in my life. Um, and she's entering a stage of life where she can't go everywhere she wants to go and invite everyone for dinner that she wants to invite. And she has to figure out where, where that puts her in her life. And then of course my wife and I, who just feel tired. I mean, we, we just often stop and feel tired. And that word is used a lot. Um, around here. So I decided to do this podcast on, on energy, um, what it is, what we mean by the, by the thought of energy, what we mean when we say we need energy or we have energy. You might often look at your kids and say things like, I wish I had that much energy. Um, and then you might, you know, look back on your life and remember when you had more energy, whether it was physically or spiritually or relationally or whatever it was. So I've got a little bit different format today, um, to talk about energy. Um, I'm going to talk about it. I'm going to wait to the very end to share with you what I believe are the three things that I, I kind of glean from all of this. Um, and then, uh, then I'll close with some mayus like I always do. But, um, you know, this, the idea of energy, I want to kind of define what we mean by it first. You know, there's, there is a physical use of the word and then there's a metaphorical use of the word. And I think they're, they're kind of a blurred line between them. Often we literally mean like we don't have the, the, uh, fuel to move forward. You know, in, in physics, energy is the capacity for doing work. I mean, it, it is just scientifically energy is the capacity for moving forward, for doing something. Um, it, it exists in potential energy, kinetic energy, thermal energy, electrical energy, chemical energy, nuclear em energy, um, and other forms, too, uh, of energy. And this is definitely not a science um, podcast by any means. But I do think there is this sense of um, just real grounding and real truth when we actually think about what we're saying when we talk about energy. That it, it is not just a metaphysical or not just a metaphor for doing things in our life, but it, there is a real physical, scientific, biological thing that we need and that we use and that we reproduce in our lives that we're talking about when we talk about energy. And I'm breaking it down into three different kinds of energy. Um, there's the spiritual energy, which you know what spiritual energy is. Spiritual energy is the kind of energy that's about... Um, being able to find space and time in your life to think about things that are bigger than you, um, to get perspective on what we're all doing here and what this is all about. You know, um, spiritual energy is not about quoting scriptures and singing worship songs and talking religiously. Um, it's not about going to church. It's not, that's not what I mean by spiritual energy. I mean, this sense that there is something bigger than us that we can't see. There are some of us that get to a point in our lives where spiritual energy feels like the last priority. Like, I just got to have the energy to get the laundry done, the dishes cleaned, and get to work and back and pay the bills. I don't have time for the spiritual to think about things that are bigger. Um, and spiritual energy is more about just your posture towards life, that things are bigger than us. And we all know that if we can get to that kind of spiritual energy in our life, if we can pay attention to that, now, whether you believe in God or not, I'm not talking about, um, the belief in God or your engagement in religious activities or a church. I'm talking about that sense that just a moment to stop back, to step back and say something like, you know, the kids are growing really fast. And we should take that vacation or we sh I should go to that ball game 
because there is something bigger. And we all know that when we can pause and pay attention to that spiritual energy and that need for that in our life, that it, it, it puts us in a different place. Um, and I'm not going to say it affects everyone the way it affects me, but when I can make that a priority in my life, it, it brings me more peace. It starts to take the edge off of my anxiety and some of the things that I deal with. Um, and it's, it's really just about, is there something bigger than us, bigger than this? And what role am I going to play in that big picture? Now, if you're a God person, which I know a lot of my listeners are, um, at different stages and they're trying to figure out if there's a God and whether, whether he pays attention or she pays attention, whether, whatever that is, um, I am talking a little bit about that, but even if you're not a God person, man, there is a moment in your existence as a human being where you realize that even what goes on here is bigger than you. Um, I was watching a, a documentary. I think the older I get, this is how I know I'm getting old. I watch a lot of documentaries now. When I go to Netflix, I don't watch the blockbuster movies now. Um, I go out to Pinterest and type in best documentaries of 2019, and then I just go through the list and find the ones that are interesting. And one of the latest ones um, is a um, it's called Tales of Light, and it's it's by a photographer. Um, it follows this photographer all over the world. He's a photographer for UNICEF, um, and he just follows children um, that live a different kind of life than than most of the people that are listening to this and most of your children. Um, and in just profound ways shows us, um, shows the viewer just what it's like to live outside of America um, and outside of, um, you know, what we have here as a first world country. And the idea is to raise awareness for um, child work labor situations and living conditions and the need for food and all of that. Um, man, it did work for me. And I would suggest going out and watching that. But um, the point for me is that I realized while I was watching this, that there are layers of this spiritual energy and this paying attention to the spiritual thing. I didn't necessarily think about God while I was watching this piece. What I thought about was that there's something bigger than me and that I need to be a part of an effort to move, move the world towards something better and that I've been given some kind of a privilege. You can choose whether God gave you that privilege or if you think you were just lucked into it. Somehow I've been given a privilege for where I live, for the resources that I have, and there is a sense in me when I can pay attention to it, when I find the space, there's a sense in me where I feel compelled to be a part of uh, of making things better. And when that happens... It changes my perspective. I still have to pay the bills. I still have to go to a 9 o'clock meeting at Monday morning. I still have to do those things. But those things feel like they have a different weight when I have spiritual energy and when I'm paying attention to that part of my life. So spiritual energy. The second one is re relational energy. Here's what I mean by relational energy. We, we all have um, different personalities when it comes to relationships and relational things. If you don't believe that, just go out to Facebook. It's incredible how many people will not speak to you in person or almost a little rude or a little standoffish in person who are incredibly personable and nice uh, on Facebook or Instagram or social media. They may even send you these long messages on instant messenger um, where you where you just think, who is this person? And you run into them at Starbucks and they barely speak to you. And it's about this sense of relational energy. Um, you know, we often talk about relational energy as introverts or extroverts, whether someone um, feels as though they can light up a room with energy in a group of people or whether they sort of find a corner and, and those moments sort of sap them of energy. And that's really my wife and I have, have recently discovered the way to talk about being an introvert or an extrovert um, based on energy. And I can't tell you how good this has been for our marriage and our relationship. And here's why. When I'm in public, I, um, I may look like an extrovert. I probably do. And I know many of you may feel the same way. I can tell a joke. I can make a room laugh. I can, sometimes I can be the life of the party. Um, I can, you know, make people feel welcome. I can try to include people. I think it comes from my years of ministry. One of the things that I think 
good things that came from ministry for me was this sense of being able to take a big crowd and move them towards something, you know, and if there's a big party and it's at my place, I can make it fun or I can make it, you know, make it take a moment and celebrate somebody. And I've been good at that my whole life. Um, but so when you look at me, you might say, oh, John's an extrovert. And my wife, Risha, who is an incredible uh, host. She's just amazing host. She can set up a party. In fact, she's an event planner and she's so good at setting up a party and creating an environment. But when you see Risha at a party, she will be talking to one person or maybe sitting at a table with a group of people. And she pretty much lives in that area. And you may look at her and think Risha is an introvert. But what we've learned about each other is it's actually the exact opposite in reality. When you think about your introversion or your extroversion as being about where you get your energy, it changes the conversation. The truth is when we have a big party, I leave exhausted. It saps my energy. Now I enjoy it. Usually sometimes if I don't have energy, I hate parties because I feel like I still have the same responsibility to sort of move the party in a certain direction, but I don't have the relational energy. And so what happens is parties absolutely sap me and they give Risha energy. She, she can't go to sleep after a big party because she is so pumped and she doesn't want people to go home. I'm looking at the clock going, it's about 10 o'clock. These people need to get out of here. And Risha's going, what can I do to keep them here? So we, we realized early in our marriage that there is a tension growing in our personalities. Risha wants to stay out. Risha wants to be around the party. John wants to go to bed. Does that mean John doesn't like people and Risha does? No. It's a matter of where we get our energy. So here's what it's done for us. It made me it's made me realize if I get home and I have been in front of people all day long at work and Risha, maybe she's been um, at home taking care of, of the house while the kids are at school or whatever it is, taking care of our dog. What She, she works just nonstop on all the details of our lives, but often it means she's by herself. Um, and when I get home, she wants to go out. And when I get home, I want to stay home. I want to be home and I don't want to be around people anymore. So we have noticed there's this tension. Risha is an extrovert and I'm an introvert because we get our energy from different places. And so we've had to say, Risha has had to say at times, all right, John needs to, John needs an hour before we go out. Or maybe tonight's just not the night. Or maybe I come home and go, I know I need to suck it up tonight and we need to go out. Um, because this is where Risha gets her energy. So this idea of relational energy um, is about paying attention to where you, you know, what kind of gives you more energy. Um, the people who you love and who love you most um, need to understand this in you. They need to understand what gives you energy and what doesn't. Saying to a loved one, to your spouse or to your family, hey, Thanksgiving is awesome and I love it but I need to leave after two hours. It's not because I don't love the family. It's because I do love the family <laughs> and I need to leave. Those kinds of boundaries, making sure people understand what gives you energy and what doesn't, that's the way you develop relationship is by giving that clear understanding of where you get your energy. Often, you know, you, you might say about someone, um, man, he's such a nice guy. You know, you've caught yourself saying that before, or man, she's just such a nice girl. Um, we have, uh, we have a friend that we run into all the time. Um, and you know, we, we every time we see her, me or Risha or the kids say the same thing. Um, I'll pretend her name is Katie and we'll say, Katie, I love her, you know, and it's almost become her middle name, Katie. I love her because we, we say it the same way every single time. There is something about her that exudes energy. We, I get energy when I'm around her. Um, and that is often a result of somebody who has relational energy. It's an important part of the energy in your life. And then the last one for me that I want to talk about in this is, is physical energy. Um, and to me, this is where all of my energy starts. When I can get right with physical energy, this is the science part of energy. I mean, the, you get some relational, you get some spiritual, all of it kind of wraps into, into eating the right things, exercising in the right way, creating the right potential in your body to move forward. Um, for me, this is the trigger for 
all of the rest of my kind of energy. In fact, the the disciplines that I need for relational energy and spiritual energy come when I choose physical disciplines. For some reason, I'm not sure if it works like that for you. Maybe one of these other ones is, is great for you that way. For me, it's physical first, and it gives me energy for the other things. Um, for me, it, it's, about, it's about really three different disciplines. One is what I eat, and it's a lifelong battle for me to not want to reach for the cheeseburger. Um, and I'm learning that there are consequences in my physical energy when it comes to reaching for these things. Um, and it's getting better. It's getting better. So food is one of the things exercise. It's a, again, it's a lifelong battle for me to rather sit and watch another Netflix documentary than go to the gym. But I found that if I can even put my shoes on and go into the gym, sometimes I'll drive and I'll get on the way to the gym and I think I'm just, I'm going to be there for 10 minutes. I'm going to go in. I'm just going to use the rowing machine for 10 minutes. I'm going to leave. I'm not doing this today. And it's just enough to get me moving. Um, and, and that discipline starts there. So it's food, it's, it's exercise. And then the third part of the physical energy for me that I have to get right is rest. It is possible for me to be really, uh, disciplined when it comes to the gym and really disciplined when it comes to eating the right foods and still have very little physical energy because I need to stop. And I don't mean just sleep, but I mean stop. And when I do those three things, here's what it does for me. When I eat right, when I exercise, and when I rest, it gives me just the right amount of space in my life to get the relational energy I need and the spiritual energy that gives me perspective on my life. So the thought of all of this is just like everything else. Every one of my podcasts is ripped off from something, you know, it could be Rob Bell's latest thing, or it could be Socrates. It could be some Hindu Hinduism principle. It could be some sort of a, a religious um, ceremony that happened 5,000 years ago. All of this stuff um, in me is something that the people before me have been learning and growing. And, and, and as I get older, this is what fascinates me. And to be honest, this is the point of my podcast. It's not just John's musings on this stuff. No, none of you care about that. The, this really is about my, my experience with the things that uh, humans have been dealing with their entire, you know, through the entire existence of humanity. And so I, I'm going to pull some things out that, um, that I think are, have been really helpful for me. Um, and that might be helpful for you when it comes to the conversation about energy. It strikes me that many of you may be driving on in your car right now exhausted. That you may be like dealing with energy problems as we speak. You may be listening to this in between things where you're trying to do something else and multitasking. And man, this would be a good moment just to take a deep breath. And if you can't stop physically at least take a moment spiritually to stop and remember that, that things are bigger than you, that what's about to happen today or whatever you're about to do next um, is just a, a small part of a much bigger thing. And whether you take that towards a, a, a more um, divine perspective, which I usually do, or whether you just take it towards you being one human on the face of a planet that needs you, um, man, this will give you a different perspective on your day. Alan Cohen, who is an interesting philosopher, modern day writer. Um, not sure I, I love everything that he says, but man, every now and then I find something I just really like. Alan Cohen says, if you want to find God, hang out in the space between your thoughts. I think that's really cool. If you want to find God, hang out in the space between your thoughts. Um, I always think this is interesting. If you're listening to this today because you're hoping for some sort of a insight about God, um, I might say something that makes you think a little differently about God. Um, if you're listening to this because you want to learn something about God, I really do believe the best thing you can do is pause this thing 
or at the end of this podcast, stop and think about think about the the life that you lead. Think about the things that you've been given and the way that you can impact the people around you because of it. And then in the moments between those thoughts, this is where the discipline comes and where you have to learn to just be. Cohen would say, just hang out in the space between your thoughts. It's a more modern day of of talking about what what Hinduism has talked about for centuries, and that is the idea of oneness, the idea of, of, of meditation. Um, and if that, if the concept of meditation scares you because of some sort of religious baggage, let me, let me just give you a fresh breath of perspective today that meditation is, is a essential human discipline that no matter what you believe about God or what you believe about the world, that there is an essential part of being a conscious human being um, that includes stopping and paying attention to the space between your thoughts. Hinduism talks about oneness through yoga and rules about breathing and posture and ethics. And um, the idea of, of becoming one with yourself is very much the sense, um, I'm going to butcher this a little bit because it's so much deeper. Oneness is so much deeper in, in Hindu religion than this, but there is just this sense of being comfortable with who you are on the planet of understanding where you fit, of getting perspective on the next meeting you have, understanding what the next person in front of you has to offer you and what you have to offer them and what we're doing here. Um, in Hinduism, the discipline of meditation is something you would do your entire life and something that's really difficult to master the you know the gurus um this is where you have you hear stories and tales about gurus who learn to fly because of meditation or who do you know physically impossible otherwise things um and whatever you believe about those things the the pursuit of of this kind of a connection to the space between your thoughts is good for your soul. Um, and it, it, it may be one thing you're missing when it comes to energy. Buddhism is simple, is similar. Um, but I think a little more attainable in a way. Um, the, uh, Buddhist, Buddhist meditation is really just a part of the path towards what a, a, a Buddhism calls nirvana. Um, that sense of, of pure peace. Um, nirvana is a whole nother topic I would love to discuss later, but that sense of serenity and tranquility that just be honest, no matter what you believe about God and Buddha and religion and anything, we all want serenity and tranquility. Um, and the idea of meditation for a Buddhist is that it, it, it helps move towards some, that state of serenity and tranquility. It's much easier to do, I think, um, than sort of the Hindu meditation path. Um, although both lead to this sense of, of, paying attention to the space between your thoughts. Now, you'd be shocked um, if I didn't, in the midst of talking about great religious leaders, talk about Jesus of Nazareth, um, who I am obviously infatuated with, um, and I believe um, not only said some amazing things, but lived the kind of life that leads to um, just the kind of life I want to live. I want my parent, I want my kids to think of me someday. Um, as someone who turned the other cheek, and I don't mean just, um, well, that's a whole nother talk. I, I, I want my kids to think of me someday as someone who, um, leveraged his power for, um, the betterment of the people around him who, um, who lived like Jesus lived, to be honest. And so I often, um, revert back to words, phrases, thoughts, don't necessarily um, subscribe to a lot of the the understanding of his words and a lot of the um, the way people talk about the Bible when it comes to Jesus. Um, I, I hold the Bible in a different perspective than than the way I used to. But man, the words of Jesus um, to me are often breathtaking. Um, and when it comes to the idea of energy, um, Jesus said 
something that has been just practically, I don't, I don't mean just from a spiritual perspective. I mean, all encompassing when it comes to energy has been the most helpful thing in my pursuit towards understanding how to get the energy I need to live my life with peace and hope and joy. And it started with, uh, he, he, it's, a, it's a whole, his three years of, of what we have in the, the Christian Bible, um, very, very small amount of what he actually said and did. But one of the things he said was in John chapter 15. The writer John says that Jesus said to a group of people who were, by the way, like you and me, searching for how to deal with this problem with energy. He said, remain in me as I also remain in you. The King James Version uses the word abide. Abide in me, which I don't really love the old English usually in all this, but often I love I love the thought of abiding, this sense of remaining. Sometimes when my kids are sick, London not as much, but Reese especially, when he's tired or sick, he will curl up into a ball that I would never have thought he could be small enough to be and get under a soft blanket, and he will just sit with me. Um, doesn't matter what show's on television. doesn't matter what I'm doing. doesn't matter what he's doing. The point is that he is abiding in his dad, that he is where I am, that he nothing else matters in that moment for Reese. Um, and if I am a good dad in that moment... I will also be where he is. Now, if I'm stressed, if my energy is not right relationally, <laughs> I will be working on my phone or on my computer or watching a show and not paying attention to him. But if I can get right, I will remain in him too. I will be where he is. I will abide with him. And there is something about that. He calls it snuggling. But there is something about that moment in him and he, and he and I that changes things for both of us. I can't explain it, but I know what it feels like and I know what it does to he and I both. Um, Jesus says, remain in me and I will remain in you. Now, if you don't believe that Jesus is God, I don't blame you. It's a really hard thing to believe. Um, and you don't have to believe that to do this. Um, many people believe that the idea of Christ is that from the beginning of time, um, there is a spirit that hovered over the waters at the cre at creation that is in all and is all. It's the, it's the, it's the thing that Native Americans talk about. It's the thing that the tribes in the heart of Africa who have never seen anybody who don't speak their language or look the way they do. It's, it's the thing they subscribe to. Many people believe it's the exact thing that we in America sing our songs to on Sunday mornings and write to. That it's, it's the thing that we all call by a different name, but it's at the heart of who we are. If you remain in that, if you stop, if you pause to be, Jesus says this, no branch can bear fruit by itself. This illustration is amazing. He says, I am, I am the vine. I'm the vine and you are the branches. So picture this just for a second. If I had a whiteboard, I would show you. Jesus says that spirit is, is the vine. It's the, it's the trunk of the tree. And that we as humans are the branches. So we're an extension of the spirit. And then from that branch pops out things. You know what I mean. You get up in the morning and you didn't sleep well. And you have a 9 a.m. meeting. And the kids aren't doing what they're supposed to be doing to get ready for school. And the fruit that comes out of your life is dark and gross and rotten. And at the moment, you may not even realize it, but it's on the way to work when you go, what did I say to the person I love most in this life this morning? I cannot believe I've become that. 
I cannot believe the way I acted, what I said, how I felt over a stupid bowl of cereal, over a shoes that weren't tied. This is the fruit that Jesus talks about. That in that moment, you can't try hard enough to be the kind of person you want to be. In the moment when things get bad, you cannot be the person you want to be just by trying. But whatever you have, whatever you've become in that moment, is you bearing fruit. It's you as a byproduct of the things you've plugged into, the energy spiritually and relationally and physically. The thing you just said wasn't an accident, and in a lot of ways it wasn't even your choice in the moment. It was a byproduct of the choices you had made to get to that moment. Man. Jesus says no branch bears fruit by itself. That is, those things that come out of you don't just happen. And if you remain attached to the vine, that is, if you remain connected to that spirit, neither, he says, can you bear fruit. You cannot bear fruit. The kind of fruit you want, which later we hear of as peace, hope, joy, patience, gentleness, kindness, self-control. All of those things that you're looking for today. You're looking for more of that. He says those things come from getting energy before the moment comes where the fruit is bared. And when you stay plugged in to the right things, you bear the right fruit. Fruit comes as a byproduct of remaining and not as a result of just trying harder. So Jesus speaks of two different things when it comes to um, energy. He talks about remaining, that sense of just curling up and being, paying attention to the space between thoughts, whether that's meditation, whether that's sitting in a tree stand, whatever that is for you, staying connected is that sense of remaining. And then the second part Jesus talks about is just as important when it comes to energy. And it's about abounding. So you get this sense of abiding and abounding, which Christians have been talking about for a long time. And I almost get, get tired sometimes of those two phrases because we use them in such mundane ways, abiding and abounding and abiding and abounding. When Jesus talked about it, he talked about them as one connected conversation that if you're going to do something, you have to abide first. It's almost like a swing set. Jesus describes this, and he wouldn't have used the phrase swing set, but he, he talks about it almost like we think of a swing set. You go back on a swing, and, and you don't stop. You go back, and for a moment, you get the momentum. You get the, the space that you need between the direction you're going and the, the, the thing that you need to do and where you are. You get that space, and that space, that abiding, is what gives you the energy to abound, to move forward. And so we end up in our lives, at least I do in my life, I end up with a need for both, abiding and abounding. I end up with a, a problem on a regular basis where I'm doing either one or the other. I'm either abiding, I'm either remaining in a way where I'm sort of um, reclused. Um, maybe I, I have, I've decided that right now is all about me. Um, and when I do that, I don't abound and I become this hoarder of energy. I, I, I begin to hoard the energy that I have. And it does, does things in me I don't want. But then sometimes I do the opposite. And I, I, I abound and all I do is abound. And I get up in the morning and I just do more abounding. And I don't abide. I don't stop. I don't pause. I don't rest. I don't do the things that I need to do to stay um, into the vine. And so all of the fruit that I co that comes out of my life gets dark and gross and weird. Same thing happens when, when I've spent too much time just by myself, I get dark and gross and weird. And I say awful things that I don't mean, and it's not who I want to be. And then I hit this rhythm in my life where I abide and I abound. The swing set goes back and I abide. And then I go for all of it and the energy is depleted and I go back again. And when I do that, here's what I found. I become, I start seeing the fruits that, that, that are proof that I am becoming the human being that I want to be. Patience, peace, hope, joy. You've heard me say this before, but can you imagine 
I love Jesus's illustration of of the vine and the branches and the fruit because it seems ridiculous to imagine an apple tree just standing in a field, squinting its eyes, trying to make a good apple. Right? That's just not the way trees work. That's not the way apples work. How does it work? Well, the fruit comes as a byproduct of the, the branches being plugged into the right things. You want your energy back? You want you want the the energy to be the good human that you wish you were? You want to say the right thing to the person in the cubicle next to you? You want to you want to have the patience with your children that you've always thought you would have? The way to it is not just to get up in the morning and try harder. It'll just make you more frustrated. That's the abound part. The way to becoming the human you want to be is by abiding and then abounding. It's by remaining and then moving. It's by going back and then moving forward. We abide so that we can abound. And if we do just one or the other, we either hoard it because we're just in ourselves. And you know people like this who, who only do life for them and who spend too much time in the backside of the swing set. Or you see people, and this is where I struggle at times in my life, where I get depleted from an energy perspective, where I abound and abound and abound and abound and abound until I end up bound for the emergency room with some sort of a depletion and need another IV bag because of sleep deprivation or nutrition or something that I have neglected in myself. Abounding without abiding leads to energy depletion. It's that feeling you have in your car when you're almost out of gas. I don't know. Maybe it's just me. You don't have that feeling where you're like, you're driving your kids around and you can't really communicate with them. You can't talk with them because you keep wondering if your car's going to run out of gas. Like I get my gas just below the eighth of a tank before I need to, I hate going to the gas station. And so sometimes it gets way too low. And I start thinking about what would happen if I broke down here and how stupid I would feel and I, who would I call and the kids are talking and I only care about the gas. That's the feeling that happens when you get that depleted on your energy. You're so low from gas. You feel like I can't, all I can do is survive. All I can do is take the next step forward. I don't have energy for people. I don't have energy to think about being a better human in this world. All I can do is take another step forward. If you feel that way today, you don't have to. It is within you to be a part of the great swing set that you were built to be. And abide and abound. The problem is with me, I always think of abiding as stopping. You know, it often feels selfish. It often feels lazy. But throughout history, people have discovered that that stopping, that abiding, that moment is not about stopping your energy. It's about recharging. You know, think of it like your cell phone. I don't know if you feel this way about your cell phone. I do. But I start looking at my cell phone about 1 o'clock in the afternoon and looking at how much energy it has. And I will desperately find a place to charge it. If it's below 30%, because I don't want to be found without it, which is a whole nother problem. But man, what if I thought about that, my life in that way? What if I could come to a place in my life where I, I paid that close of attention to my spiritual battle, my battery, my physical, my spiritual, my relational batteries. If I looked at them and saw, man, my relational battery is down to 15%. I can tell because I am avoiding people that I love. I do not want to have a long conversation with that girl across the cubicle, even though I know that her mother's in the hospital and she really needs a good word. When I feel those moments, I realize I'm on 15% battery. I need to recharge. I need to abound. When it comes to spiritual things and you get so caught up, to me, this is anxiety is, is a perfect example of this. I get so caught up in my own stuff and my own day-to-day meetings and the things that I get going that I forget there is a bigger thing in this world. I start rolling my eyes at people who have cardboard signs. I start bypassing the recycle bin. I know that sounds silly. I start doing the things that make my life easier, but that cost other people around me. And I realize I'm on 10% battery when it comes to spiritual. I need to, I need to find a charger. And man, when it comes to physical, I can tell immediately when I'm laying on the couch and my daughter says, dad, would you go play volleyball with me? 70 degrees outside. And I start looking for an excuse to watch another documentary or to sit on the couch a little bit longer. 
and I watch my kids play outside by themselves and I realize my physical battery is too low. I need to move. I need to abide and I need to abound. So here are your three things as I close this thing. See, I switched it up on you a little bit. Three things at the end. Energy is eternal. Sort of. <laughs> That's not real definitive, is it? Energy is, is eternal. Here's what I mean by that. The first law of thermodynamics. Thermo, I can't even say the word unless let's talk about it. Thermodynamics. Um, physical principle. The very first law of thermodynamics is this. Energy can neither be created nor destroyed but it can be changed from one form to another. So the idea of, of energy in your life, I mean, this is a physical conversation that you, you're not creating more energy. You're not going to, you're not going to make more energy today. You can transfer it from the idea of abiding from stopping. That's how you gain your energy. Same way you charge a cell phone. You don't just look at a cell phone and get more percentage on your battery. You have to plug it into something. Your cell phone is abiding in something that's giving it energy. You need to do the same. That energy can neither be created nor destroyed. Here's, here's what that means. The second thing about energy is energy is eternal first, but energy is communal. This is so cool. If energy can't be created or it can't be created or destroyed, but it can be transferred, that means the energy that you have every day is being moved from you to the human beings around you, to your kids. Man, I, recently I, I started realizing this, and this has become a really profound thought to me because I'll notice when my kids are tired that it often they need my energy. And if I'm tired and their mom's tired, then they're going to be tired. And sometimes I end up accidentally sapping their energy because I'm already depleted. But when I can go find the energy, when I can go abide, when I can pay attention to my space between the thoughts, when I can find the things that recharge me in my life, then what I do is very physical. It is very scientific. I am transferring my energy to the people that I love most. The people around you need you to figure this out. This is, this is very personal, which is the third thing about energy. Energy is personal. What energizes you does not energize me and vice versa. But it is communal in that you need to figure this out for the people you love most. They're watching and they need the law of thermodynamics in your relationship. They need for you not to create it and not to delete it from their lives but to transfer it by the things you say by the things that you do for them by the way you love them in fact this is the heart of generosity this is what it means to be generous it's about sharing or loaning your energy for the sake of others so when I go to the gym I've been trying to think about my family when I go to the gym, it's not just about me building muscle or trying to get a little faster on my mile. It's about thinking about how I can give more energy to my family when I get home. I'm gaining energy to give them. I mean, if you're, if you're a dad or a mom, man, what, other, what greater motivation is there to go to the gym than to say, my kids need energy and I can help give it to them? It, the planet often, and this is where the spiritual energy comes in. If you get time, you realize that the planet we're on is not just a collection of independent organisms doing life. It's a single thing that is very much impacted by all of its living components. This is why what we do with the earth is so important because it's a one single living organism and we're just pushing energy back and forth between each other. And the way we recharge is by abiding. It's by finding the space between our thoughts. I know I haven't been real practical with that today. I often don't have time for that, but I can tell you that there are places you can go today to learn to meditate more, to learn to what it means to, to stop, to abide. For me, often it means reading. Um, often it means praying. 
for me, it, um, I've got two or three different apps. There's an app called Calm that I love um, that leads me through the right kind of meditation. All of those things um, can help you grow in the discipline of abiding. So today, may you abide today. If you haven't done this for a while, may you find time today. Start with 10 minutes in your car at lunchtime. Start with a shower that goes a little longer than normal. And just pay attention to to the space between your thoughts. Engage in something that recharges you. May you abound today. May you do something. If you're retired right now, this is why you meet people who are at this crucial point in their life, retirement, where they have they have been abounding, they've been abounding, they've been abounding, and then they have a moment to abide in their life where they have new routines. And for a while it's good, but then they start hoarding the abiding and they've got to find some way of using the energy that they're getting to impact the lives around them. May you find a way to abound today. Loan your energy to someone who doesn't have it, spiritually, physically, and relationally. And may you spiritually, relationally, and physically feel fully alive today. When Jesus was on the earth, he stood on a big hill and he said something that blew people's minds. He said, I haven't come to create new new laws I haven't come to create new spiritual imperatives in your life. I've come so that you would have the kind of life that you're looking for. He wasn't talking about eternal life. He used the word bios, which is where we get our word biology. I've come that you would have life and have life abundantly. And then he spent three years telling people how to do that. Abide. That is stay close to the things that give you energy spiritually. And abound. Go do something for the humans that you're doing life with. May you not only live today, but may you have life and have life abundantly. Thank you, friends.